Hello, Veronica. How's it going? How? I, I can't believe you're just like so casual about this. About what? Acting is a. About what happened last night? You tried to purge me? You tried <laughs> to purge me, John. I missed. I did miss. <laughs> you know, I I was saying all year, I got to go to the shooting range. I got to work on my aim. But, you know, you always like, nah, I'll put it off. I'll put it off. And then the purge comes around and you're just not prepared. Uh, anyways, are we going to record this episode? You tried to kill me. When it was legal. Yes. This is for the but better of our country. We got to move forward and just be like chill. But my emotions can't go forward. I can't just forget the fact that my favorite podcast hosting friend tried to kill me. Okay. Well, how about this? During the purge, it's also legal to steal other shows' podcast formats. So, for you, as a little apology... I stole the format to a bunch of much more successful podcasts, and I think we could move forward like that. It'll be a real boon for our show. Deal? Fair? <sighs> okay, you know I'll do anything for the economy. Okay, good. All right, well now, um, this podcast is uh, uh, now uh, uh, Pod Saves America. So, <laughs> so uh, Veronica, let's talk about that Trump guy. Oh, wow. I think this is really it. I think this is we really got him this time. No one can ignore 32 indictments. All right. Great. Well, coming back, we're going to do about 16 minutes of commercials now. And then after that, we'll discuss the purge. And then I'm going to interview Hillary Clinton's speechwriter, a robot. All right. Don't forget to buy our T-shirts. Toot toot. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know where that one went. <laughs> it's been so long since I even listened to Pots of America. I really struggle to come up with whatever neoliberal bullshit they talk about. I, I still do listen to that show. And I also was like, why am I? How, I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, some, it's okay. for uh, folks listening, um, it's a little a tip from uh, classically trained improvisers like us. Sometimes you're ad-libbing the opening to your show and you're in a little improv bit and then you're like, how did this uh, bit go in this direction? What happened? How did we get here? <laughs> Will someone sweep edit us? Or in this case, edit in the opening theme song to our show. Yes. The sweep edit of the podcasting world. <laughs> a quick a quick sound cue. Well, how are you doing, John? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Um, my uh, regular computer is in transit for long reasons. Wow. It's not an... Have you ever, you ever had that where you're like, you know you have a story that's not interesting. So you try yeah. to like say something to make it be like, oh, it's not interesting. And But then it sounds mysterious. So now you're like, well, now I got to fucking say... Um, uh, it was my work computer, uh, and it, I bought it from them, but I have to mail it back to get, uh, CBS, CBS copyright stuff wiped from Cibiosity. it. Cibiosity. Oh, God damn. It's, <sighs> this show's going great so far. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm on my old computer, so hopefully the sound quality is not, uh, totally awful. Veronica, how are you doing? I'm good. I am mostly... Okay, I I am still jet lagged from going to South Korea. So right, you, you know. have been on vacation from before our last episode because our last episode was the beginning of your vacation. That's true. Yeah, it's been exhausting. 
Uh, it's like the most privileged thing to say. I feel like uh, I went on vacation. I'm so exhausted. <laughs> uh, well, could you tell us anything about South Korea? Anything exciting happen? Uh, let's see. Uh, I saw a lot of mascots, saw a lot of weird signs, could not eat much of the food because I don't eat meat and there's <laughs> a ton of meat. I went to, actually, I guess someone related to the podcast, I went to a museum of Korean cinema and uh, it was filled with exceptionally loud groups of children. <laughs> <laughs> when, so mascots, that's like big, like, you know, like yeah, animal. So costume. like the police has two animal mascots, for example. So you go by any sort of police precinct in Seoul, and there would be like these two animals trying to welcome you to a police station. So if you're having like the worst day of your life, let's say your your husband Ethan Hawke has been killed. And uh -huh. you're going to the police department to report the crime. There's like a big colorful costume character there. Be like, come on in, Lena Hetty. Tell us about your dead husband. But like in, well, obviously in uh, Korean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they're not like people. They're statues usually of like Oh, okay. I guess uh, that, that does make more sense. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, I have not seen like any like real like people dressed up as things, I guess. But yeah, there's lots of cute culture is big. So is a, like obscene, elaborate dessert and coffee culture. Did like, you say cute culture? Like C-U-T? Yeah. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, like so it's sort of like every as like the mascots and stuff, everything has sort of a cute presentation of things so people really like stores where all they sell is like plushy animals for example or you can another thing that we did which i guess is sort of adjacent is that like they have a ton of 24-hour uh photo studios that are basically just a bunch of photo booths where they have like plush toys and you know like all the ephemera you have at like um a wedding photo booth and you can just go into these photo booths and take as many pictures as you want with your friends. Who, uh, but so these you things are not manned. So they're open 24, 24 hours. hours. Like a yeah. bar photo booth. Who is going in, in this? Is it like drunk, drunk? So things? yeah, I think that's what we hypothesized. I would say most of the time we have not seen anyone in these photo booths, but there are so many of them. Are they trans? It's, are the walls transparent? Can you see what's going on in from, so in, from outside? It's sort of I like, would have to assume people are just fucking in them. <laughs> they could be, I suppose. Uh, I've not thought of that, but it's literally imagine a storefront, like glass doors. You enter on one side of the room. There are all the accessories. There's like uh, a tub of. Uh, tub of sunglasses a tub uh -huh. of hats there's like a shelf with like funny hats and masks and then on the other side there are like four booths that are for photos and you can go in and it's a roomier booth than what you would get in the bar but essentially mm. it's kind of the same but but the machines are super elaborate you can like choose like the layouts of these pictures you can choose how many you want there's like a clicker you can even control like if you don't want it to automatically like do the thing uh anyway it was weird and elaborate and i assume enough people do end up doing these because they were literally everywhere <laughs> i was just thinking if people are going in there and fucking and they've got <laughs> taking I, pictures i assume they've got like snapchat filters and stuff has anyone have you ever seen has anyone ever made like a homemade sex tape but with like snapchat filters I, I mean, I don't know. Not that I've seen. Someone, mu <laughs> someone must have. I mean, obviously, yeah. this has happened, I'm sure, thousands and thousands of times. I've just never seen it. And I was just imagining like, two people <laughs> fucking and they've got like little doggy faces. <laughs> I will oh, God. say. Or the face switching. Oh, God. That's, that's so some you... kinky shit. You and your partner pull up that app that swaps your faces and then you just watch it while you fuck. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, that's almost like a plot of a future Purge movie. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, are we segueing back? <laughs> I mean, I do only have like a half hour more to talk. So, I mean, we can keep talking about hypothetical sex fuck booths in Korea. <laughs> hypothetical sex booths in Korea is the name of my new sci-fi novel. <laughs> it's it's kind of a cyberpunky type thing. It's also very yeah, erotic. You can say like uh what is isn't there like a genre of sci-fi that's like uh it's called it's not called hypothetical but it's called something speculative like yeah i write speculative sci-fi and then people are like oh yeah what did you write about i speculate how people would have sex if they had photo booths yeah i'm kind of the asimov of my day <laughs> <laughs> all right all right <laughs> I don't have we even introduced ourselves in this show. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we did mention each other's names. That's good enough. But well, we are now here. 11 and a half minutes in, I believe. <laughs> At least that's when this recording started. Hi, I'm John. I'm Veronica. And this Hello. is Box Office Time Machine, the show where we talk about a move the number one movie at the box office either from the current weekend or a weekend from the past. And this this episode, we've gone 10 years back in time to watch 2013's The Purge. But did we really go all the way 10 years back in no, time? No, we went one, one year. year. I, I <laughs> love that. It's set in 2022. If folks, it was made in 2013, but set in 2022. And you can tell this family is so rich because the sun got the Apple iVision goggles a year early. I know. Those <laughs> things are really futuristic. Did uh, did anything, obviously other than the world of the purge, did anything, uh, did any of their 2022 <laughs> predictions come true? Um, we're not purging well, yet. <laughs> we're not purging yet, but I'm sure it's in the works. <laughs> Uh, Depends who wins yeah, the election guess, next year. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, like, I'm not sure. I feel like maybe they did intentionally a good job of not using a lot of technology, which would, like... I mean, there is, like, technology in the movie, but it's, like, more, like, souped-up stuff. Do we ever see a phone? Uh, that's a good he question. Talks on, he talks on the phone yeah. in his car, but obviously you don't see it. I bet yeah. that was on purpose. Yeah, I think that's probably smart. You know, Even though, honestly, wanna... smartphones have not changed that much since 2013. Except for the no, quality can... of, like, the camera lenses. But, like, vi visually from afar. That's true. Though, I mean, I guess depending on the form factor, it, they could look different. Anyway, I feel like we're veering off. No, 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 no. We'll get there. <laughs> I, this is interesting because this is a speculative satire. Uh, uh, when did the Fitbit come out? The Fitbit? I don't know. Like 10 years ago, roughly, probably. Because one of the big things in this movie, they, they seem to really be like, oh, in 2022, everyone's going to be super into Fitbits. <laughs> or, is that, or, or was that just a quirk of the sun? I thought there was a quirk of the sun because he felt like on the spectrum E. Mm. So it sounded like he would be the kind of guy who would, you know, mod a creepy looking doll to be like a roving <laughs> robot and also keep track of his steps and heart rate. At the, but, at the end when, uh, spoilers, <laughs> Ethan Hawke dies, <laughs> not the end, I guess about three quarters of the way through. Um, is that, did the sun take the Fitbit off and put it on his dad? To test his heartbeat. Yeah. Okay, I I looked away and I was like, oh wait, Ethan Hawke has one of those things too. Did the Fitbit yeah. just come out when they made this? They're like, everyone's <laughs> gonna love it. Anyway, Veronica, am I correct in saying neither of us had ever seen this movie before? Yes, you are indeed correct. I am a purge version. You're a purgin. I'm a purgin. <laughs> <laughs> Prince of Persia. Um, <laughs> so uh, many puns. <laughs> uh, did you? Uh, did you? Have you seen any Purge movies? Do you have any history with the Purge franchise? 
No, no history. I do remember vaguely after 2016, uh, whenever like the third movie came out, which was about an election. Yes. A friend of mine was like, a friend of mine urged me to watch The Purge. That movie, he was like, it's great. No, he was like, oh, it's actually really fun. You should watch it. And he kind of sold me on it, but I never actually did watch. Uh, So yeah, this was my first plunge into the Purgeverse. Yeah, I, um, it's weird that I've never seen any of the, I guess you said four Purge movies or TV show because yeah. it sounds so up my alley, but I don't know if you had kind of a similar, similar experience that I had when the first movie came out. I, I, I should have rewatched like a, the trailers for this. I feel like they didn't sell it as a satire. Like the mm-hmm. first movie, yeah. like like the marketing, I feel like we're just like, oh, spooky masks. Like it was just, it felt more like high concept, The Strangers. And so right. I, didn't, yeah. I didn't watch it. Um, and then I, a few years later, when they started having like the election year and stuff come out, I was like, oh, is that series like more clever than I gave it uh, credit for? Or at the very least more interesting. And by that point, I was kind of like, the train had left the station, so I just never, mm-hmm. never hopped on. And I, I was a little worried. A peek behind the curtain. We started this movie, and I realized it was made by people who I've done business with, uh, done work for. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. But I'll tell you, Veronica, I really enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised by this. I don't think everything worked, but I really enjoyed a lot of it. I no, that. I think I think there is way, one main problem with this movie that's holding it back and that I think probably gets rectified to some level in the sequels. Um, and I understand why that problem exists. It's for budgetary reasons. But yeah. this is, I think, a movie I, I have not had not given this franchise credit enough. This is a this came out four years before Get Out. This really really kickstarted the wave of like political uh the current modern wave of uh aggressively political horror horror satires um Mm -hmm. way earlier than i thought obviously political horror films have existed uh uh since the invention of um that that from that movie where nosferatu runs for president uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, those yeah. German silent, silent films are crazy. Oh and yeah, the like, one where a Nazi train enters yes, it's, an English tunnel. It's <laughs> 1930s Germany and they're like, President Nosferatu, you'll be the worst leader we'll ever have. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh, silent, so it's uh, you know just titles, title cards. Um, but the music is still very jaunty. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, uh, so I... I think this movie, and I always thought it, this movie's premise, this central idea, is so fun and evocative. Um, and uh, the I would say the proof of the matter is two things that I've seen in the world. One, uh, I was, as, as I've mentioned on this show, a sketch teacher for years. And the amount of students, uh, uh, entry-level sketch students, who would bring in purge-related sketches years after these movies have really <laughs> really been at their peak it's just such a fun idea for a world and then two i don't know have you ever seen um uh, watched videos from the youtuber jenny nicholson no i don't think so she used to do videos where she would read uh, weird fan fiction um okay. and uh i think she stopped doing it because uh, viewers were harassing the people who wrote the stuff because the internet's oh awful. but uh <laughs> in one of her videos she <laughs> spotlights the fact that weirdly enough on one of the main teen fan fiction websites there is a massive selection of stories set within the purge universe <laughs> And um, they're all written by uh, pubescent girls. And I think the storyline involving the main storylines involving the teen daughter in this movie had a real effect on uh, (laughs) on young girls watching this movie at the right time. Um, Both the boyfriend and, you know, we don't need to get into it. But (laughs) that's interesting because uh, at least according to IMDb, 
originally. So I guess we can sort of sketch out the premise is that Ethan Hawke is, uh, has a super well-to-do family, partially because he sells uh, defense, like home security systems that uh, people, rich people use during the purge. And, and this, is, uh, th- this is a world, you mentioned the purge, I hear. What, what is that, Veronica? All right, sorry, I did not backtrack. I assumed people know what the purge is, but like, this is, yeah, th- every this year. This is mostly a movie about a, uh, a father's good job. And he comes home yeah, to yeah, get yeah. good news. Yeah, yeah, it's an office comedy. <laughs> no, uh, so yeah, every year there's a thing called The Purge, which uh, is uh, rationalized as uh, a day where all the laws are suspended. Curiously, not the laws that would allow you to kill the people in charge, which is kind of funny. Uh, I, and, I love uh, that detail. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so all crime is legal for 12 hours. And uh, so as a result, the rich people kind of, you know, uh, get boarded up in their fancy houses behind fancy security systems and the poor people are left to fend for themselves. And so we are focusing on this one family of this one security system sales person. And he has uh, a sexy daughter with a sexy Catholic school girl uniform, which was... It's kind of a very weird fetish detail. And uh, he has I, Lena I think Hedy that's supposed wife. to visually emphasize what the issue is with the boyfriend. <laughs> the fact that I we guess. hear that the boyfriend's 18 and then she comes in with her school uniform and it's like, oh, she's definitely not 18. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like it kind of more played like, ooh, I'm a sexy schoolgirl. It's really that uh, also one like, shot of her, like, uh, uh, we get a close-up foot shot of her in her little, yeah, of like... her socks. Her little socks. I... It's weird. I noticed that I, I am not, uh, uh, no shame, I'm not someone with a foot fetish, but sometimes you see something and you're like, this is for an audience. This, yeah. <laughs> this shot right here is for a specific audience. Though, I feel like, I mean, I guess I don't know much about foot fetishes, but I feel like there would probably prefer if the sock were not there i but <laughs> i think in general you know you're probably right it's probably not a foot thing but in general it is she's very oh no i wasn't like trying to correct you <laughs> <laughs> we have a massive foot fetishist audience um but uh, but anyway no i think so... she is filmed though all those shots of her and her, and the various parts of her uniform are very uh uh kind of very sexualized in a kind yeah, of yeah, very gratuitous way. But uh, so yeah, she has a boyfriend, and after lockdown, we realize that the boyfriend is still in the house, and he wants to go quote talk to her dad about uh, the fact that he objects to their uh, relationship. But of course, because it's the purge, he pulls out a gun and tries to kill the dad. Can uh, I origin? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. But originally in the script, it was supposed to be that she wants to kill her dad <gasps> uh, and not the boyfriend, which I think would have been way more interesting if they had actually. But apparently, like, there were concerns about that. Interesting. I mean, it's very funny. Uh, did you for a second think that the, the the boyfriend was so stupid that he thought Purge Night was a good time to talk to your girlfriend's dad who hates you? <laughs> <laughs> well, at first, I I was like, he wants to kill him, right? Uh, that's why he's here. But then he started talking about wanting to talk to her dad. And then I was like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is not the movie where this happens. But... This turned out to be totally the movie where this happens, which I I liked and appreciated. That's interesting. I want to talk. I want to hear all the details you know about the script. Um, but first, I want to broaden out, put our uh, college stu- college critical uh, th- critical reading <laughs> uh, uh, jacket on. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, what do you, <laughs> the meta, the central metaphor, the metaphor that is the purge. It is so thorny. It is so, it feels like it's too big for this movie. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of the issue is that there's so many different ways to look at it. They look at it mostly through a uh, class 
uh, frame in this film. I, I get the impression that uh, later movies and the TV show would go more from a race angle. And obviously there is a race angle here too with the very evocative shots of the white family putting the black man in bondage. Um, that was the point where I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> this movie, this movie's really, uh, it's saying something. Um, I think one of the main, the one thing that's holding this movie back, I think this movie is a blast, but I think the one thing that's holding it back is this is at its core, a story about the wealthy discovering through heightened circumstances the fear and uh, uh, existential uh, nightmare that is poverty um, in this cruel capitalistic society. Um, but that shouldn't be a home invasion thriller. They yeah. should be forced out on the streets. And also, we want to get out on the streets to see what this fucking society, this crazy-ass society looks like. We want to see yeah. the satirical ways we, we get all this. But if we saw all these, this probably wouldn't be a $3 million movie that made $89 million at the box office. So I imagine the later movies, yeah. once this uh, concept was proven a hit, then they were able to really start digging into all the things about this. But I feel like that is... Oh, it'd be first half of this movie. Every new detail about the society, the flowers that you hang up to show, like it's clearly like putting up an American flag after 9-11 or something. Like all these yeah. little details, all these little ideas are so fun. But once the ideas get replaced with wandering around a uh, dark, dark house with shaking cameras and not particularly great CGI muzzle flares and blood squirts. Then, um, then the movie takes a dip before getting fun again at the end. Yeah. I think as you alluded to, I think is definitely, it seems like a budget issue. I think the budget, as you said, was like $2.7 million or something like that. And, uh, so the director himself said that was kind of the reason why it was staged in a house. And he alluded mm. to the fact that he wants the second one to be like Escape from New York. I don't know if it is, but that would I think that was also my main issue. I thought the world building was super fun. But once they entered the home and it was just like kind of like a shoot 'em up in a house, it wasn't exciting or novel. But then again, when... And I kind of like, I want it. I think my also thing with the movie is that like the fun stuff is not allowed to breathe enough. I feel so, for example, like at the end, we kind of realized that all the neighbors hate them, which was alluded to in the beginning. And they decide to also want that they want to kill the family. But and but and like through a series of things it doesn't happen and then there's a scene where they all like are sitting and basically waiting out the purge so that they can none of them can kill each other and it's fucking hilarious yes but i feel like there should be way more of those neighbors there should be way more interaction we should explore all that stuff way more we should explore what the purge means for other people outside of this family I'm curious about who are the new founding fathers. Like, what what is this society? Like, I don't know. There's, like, so many. And that's, like, a testament to the movie. Like, there's a lot of, like, very fun ideas here. And there's a lot of funny strands that I want to pull at. But the movie would not really let me do that. Because, like, they're kind of just, like, reference a thing and then just kind of let it go. Uh, and uh, that was kind of a bummer for me. It's it's a bummer because I'm sure if if any of the people who made this movie uh, listened to this discussion, I'm sure they're like, we know, we know no, that was know. the problem. It costs too much. <laughs> Watch the sequels. We got to do it. But it is. It's yeah. like it's like I don't want to see the neighbors' hunting party come to the house. I want to go see what their purge party looks like. Exactly. Are they all just yeah. like fucking? doing every drug imaginable and just like shooting their butler like what is happening and mm -hmm. i i think it's a, it's also the issue that 
we are so in cartoon satire, cartoon metaphor world, which I love. It's so such a fun world to be, but each new de- that gives you the ability to add each new crazy detail, each new crazy world building detail. But those details are kind of all silly in a way that doesn't really lend to sticking around with them for that long. So, like mm-hmm. when we when we find out that uh, yes. This this society has built a generation of the next generation of rich people are like the cruelest, which is I I, I see that as a fair fair thing. Like <laughs> young young extremely wealthy people are maybe the grossest human beings on earth. Um, but like once we see them, and yes, they're all dressed up in their prep school attire. That's funny. I want to move on. Like, great, we've seen them. We've got that idea. What's the next crazy group? The next crazy activity? But because we're in this house for so long, we don't get to see it. I I think at the end of the at the end of the day, like I I can list a bunch of complaints, but my main thing is like I'm sitting here being like, I think I'm probably gonna pop in the purge too sometime soon. Yeah, I I wanna I wanna learn more about this world, and it kind of is reassuring that the same guy did the first three. So at least like, I feel like the world would be consistent, you know. So which because I feel like usually with these movies, like the guy does maybe the first one, and then like someone else takes over, mm-hmm. and it's like a whole like mishmash of things, and it's not really the thing that it was in the beginning. So yeah, I want to check it out. Um, Another you, thing. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, 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 you. Uh, I guess like another thing I wanted to discuss <laughs> is like I don't. This is another thing that did bug me is that I don't think the purge would lead to the results that they say in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This, like, yeah. Sorry. I don't like. I don't think killing a ton of people every year is actually good for the economy or for like the well-being of a society. And I don't know. That thing was just like, I think if a purge existed, the purge, the movie, The Purge was really good about like showing us how people would behave. I think all of the selfish decisions that these people make feel real to me. Uh, but I don't think like the world that they would be living in would be like a prosperous society because the purge exists, I guess. And I don't know, that didn't really like ruin the movie for me, but it was, I, it was always in the back of my mind of just like, if you're killing for capitalism, this, I don't know that that necessarily makes sense. (laughs) Again, a part of this comes down to the fact that we are seeing such a small glimpse of this world because they have a line where they're like, oh, it got rid of poverty. But one of the main characters is a homeless man. So clearly it did not. But that I think that that could lend itself to an interesting, you know, metaphor like, oh, here's a here's a silly question. What do you think the purge represents, Veronica? (laughs) Yeah, first, first part of the book report. <laughs> you mean like what it represents about our society? Uh, what What do you think yes. is the main, main thing, main part of American society that The Purge is satirizing? I guess it's sort of like our obsession with guns and violence and how, you know, how scary it is that people even now without the purge existing can just walk around and kill you. (laughs) I think there is, I think, I think there's kind of like these two, well, there's many, which is why there were able to be so many movies. Um, But there's like kind of two main ones that are kind of a little bit in conflict here where you're right. Like why would killing the underclass help, the economy the underclass is used by the upper class uh the upper classes in our in our society to like they are ground up and used for their labor and and such Mm -hmm. but like i think there's a but (laughs) i'm I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this like um that's not 
that's not the fun thing the movie wants to do. The movie wants to do like, they're killing them. And I think that's the soullessness of like, uh, uh, of capitalism, of we are not actually pulling the trigger, but we are mm -hmm. complicit in a society that is pulling the trigger. Right. But the movie needs to make the world kind of make logical sense. So they say that we're pulling triggers literally because the purge is about aggression. But I don't, mm -hmm. and so I think there's all this language about aggression when really the movie is just about class and money and power. Right. And I, I think, yeah, I think you're right. The thing is, is that like, if aggression is the thing that fuels or that like prevents America from being prosperous, I think that point is not necessarily conveyed, I guess, because that's kind of what uh, flows from that argument, right? Like if there's one day where we can get our aggression out, the rest of the time we're going to be like a more peaceful society and we can prosper together. But like, I, yeah. I, I think, I mean, maybe that's sort of like what it's trying to say. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I think maybe one of the weird things is that the, the movie makes it clear that the purge is relatively new. The purge yeah. was introduced presumably between 2013 when the movie was made and 2022. I know in the opening opening credits we see footage from various different purges. I don't I don't remember when the first one was. I know there is a movie called The First Purge, which is about the first purge. I I'm guessing it's set in like 2019 or something. But I think it it said that there was like the ninth purge or something like that. Mm. But maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, it felt like it was in the single digits or something like that. Yeah, because there was some kind of... Anyway, so we have this cruel, cruel practice that in the world of the movie is used to represent like the evils of uh, our class system and poverty and ca capitalism, yada, yada, yada. However, in this world, it's new. Whereas the things it's representing within our actual world have been there since the beginning of the nation. So I think there, yeah. I think that's kind of the weird thing where maybe it would have been easy to square if this took place in a alternate history where the purge was always, the purge was just the, just the machine on which the country ran forever where right. in, it's because it's basically a world where instead of us, sacrificing the poor um on a daily basis through small means over and over again as just the fuel that runs the machine that is our society which allows the wealthy to have lives of leisure they've said they've created a silly world where oh it only takes place in one day yeah and it's just kind of it's a thing where it's not as as big an issue but i think it's it reminds me a bit of um don't look up where mm. uh uh the metaphor of an asteroid didn't kind had didn't really connect to like climate change because climate change is so slow and gradual and will affect mm -hmm. different people different amounts for different periods of time whereas like so it's easy for the wealthy to be like whatever it's not going to affect me for a while for a while perhaps even in my lifetime whereas an asteroid is definitely going to fucking affect you uh right. <laughs> but i don't think it's as bad as that i think it's just I don't know, maybe that's what makes it interesting the fact that there's so many different angles we can pick at it yeah no i mean i think this movie like to its credit has like a lot of ideas and I think it delivers on many of them. And I think it is very perceptive about like human instincts and selfishness uh, where m maybe like stuff like that, like, well, if we kind of investigate more, like maybe we'll not actually help the economy or whatever. It doesn't actually like, uh, I guess, like, prevent me from enjoying the movie because I feel like a lot of other stuff is there and is fun. And also, this movie is fucking short, which is really good. 
I like to the point where I like wanted more of certain things, as I said, because because uh, they introduced so many fun ideas. Yeah. I mean, we had that closing credits where they're just doing like we're just hearing the news reports from the next day. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I could watch that. Give me I would love to see more RoboCop style uh, clips of what the media looks like in this world. And I think, I again, yeah. I think this is all stuff that we get much more of in the sequel. Uh, we should name James DeMonico is the guy who wrote and directed this. Did you know his first produced screenplay was the movie Jack? I did. I looked at his uh, filmography. That he also wrote wild. The Negotiator. <laughs> oh, I like The Negotiator. Is, is that yeah, uh, I remember Samuel like, Jackson and Kevin Spacey? It's a good cable movie. Oh my God, it's so funny. So you mentioned Escape uh, from New York and I was going to say this movie has so many fucking Carpenter vibes. It's basically Escape from New York stuffed into the structure of Assault and Precinct 13. And this guy obviously is a fan of Escape from New York in his quote he compared to Val. He wrote the remake of Assault and Precinct 13. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's safe to say that uh, James is a big, big Carpenter fan. Um, yeah, he's a carpet head. He's is a that... that's what we that's what we call us <laughs> when we go to see uh, the latest Halloween. We're like, ooh, carpet head, carpet head. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, did you do you have anything to say about like the acting? Um, I mean, it was fine. I I don't think anyone really shown. <laughs> I guess I I like kind of the creepy neighbors uh more. I thought their acting was more distinct. But everyone else, I mean everyone was doing a good job, but I don't think I had any sort of like yeah, anything oh. that was glaring to me. Speaking of the neighbors, um would we say it's a bit of a cop out that the final group of neighbors are incredibly racially diverse? <laughs> That these I mean, representatives of the ultra-wealthy are a rainbow coalition? Well, I guess you can also kind of spin it another way as to say that, like, in that society, money matters more than racial uh, harmony, I guess, or racial uh, alliances. Like, these, like, these people... Like, there's uh, a black woman here, and, like, there's obviously a black man that's being uh, uh, sort of targeted and hunted. And, like, she's totally okay with killing him because they're not on, like, on the same sides in that world, which could be interesting, I think. I think you could do that same idea by having by just the realities of having most of these ultra-wealthy people be white, and then you could have one uh uh you know black family and show that their alliance is to class rather than race but mm. i don't know i appa apparently the latter later entries in the series get more um uh uh more into racial issues we haven't seen those movies nor is this really a topic that we have <laughs> that we yeah, should be discussing in detail to begin with but again it is a movie that brings up many, many interesting points. Um, I, the middle dips when it's just uh, home invasion stuff, but I'm, I'm sure pretty much everyone involved would probably agree with that. And I'm excited yeah. to see the others. I don't know when I'm going to, but I would like to. Yeah, maybe we'll see them next year. Uh, maybe not the TV show. <laughs> I don't need to watch a full TV podcast. series of... Yeah, maybe not. I would be. It would be interesting. I'm pretty sure that's not what the show is structured like, but it would be cool to have it be more of an anthology thing, mm. where it's sort of like a Black Mirror thing, uh, where you trace different, uh, different kinds of groups through different phases of the Bridges history, and kind of, you know, tell like kind of more satirical stories about that stuff. Uh, but I think this. it does follow like one group. Out of all the incredibly random movies that have been turned into TV TV series, let's say we've got our uh, uh, we got this, we've got Snowpiercer, um, true, uh, Dead Ringers, A League of Our Own. Um, I would say 
this is maybe the one, well, no, A League of Our Own makes the most sense as a TV show, but <laughs> I would definitely, for all I know, the Snowpiercer TV show is fucking excellent. I don't know. I've never seen it, but I- Yeah, it's so good they canceled it. <laughs> well, I that might not be the show's fault, I but I, I will say, I got to the end of the movie Snowpiercer, and I was not like, I could spend eight to ten more hours on that train. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think this is very much uh, a world that's like ripe for exploring and going down like different rabbit holes and avenues, which is pretty cool. Like to come up with an idea that's so evergreen is pretty great. The power of a great uh, satiric hook. Um, it is strong. <laughs> See, I don't know. <laughs> Let's rate right, it. Shoot. Let's fucking rate it. All right. All right. Three. Two, two one. one b oh god you know i'm i'm actually torn it's i love a good idea so much that recognizing one even if the execution isn't fully there like if an idea is strong enough part of me wants to give it an a minus but like it's an a minus that's probably more of a b plus does all that make right. sense at all my sure. personal love of, I sat there the whole time thinking about how crazy and fun this world is. And I, that experience was an A, A minus, but I was mostly doing that during scenes that were a little boring because the movie's probably more of a B plus. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, Veronica, you... what, what else have you been watching? Well, I mostly, the only movie I saw in a theater since the last time we talked was Fast X. That was everything I wanted. Was it? Did you really Uh, like it? Oh, I had a great time. It was, it was what it was. It was like the essence of a fast movie, like ratcheted up to a thousand. It was great. Like, I mean, if you're looking for a good movie, I think that was my letterbox review. If you're looking for like an objectively good movie. This is not it. But if you're looking for a wild and crazy time, uh, it definitely delivered on that. So Fast X, if you haven't seen it, you know, check it out. Uh, (laughs) But otherwise, I've been mostly watching movies on airplanes. And uh, I've seen, I rewatched Zodiac, The Social Network and Panic Room. Uh, both, well, the first two are amazing classics. I think the panic room is pretty silly, uh, especially like looking at it through a lens of someone who now lives in New York, uh, to see like some, like two people basically buy a giant townhouse all to themselves was kind of triggering for me. Uh, (laughs) but it is kind of a silly movie, uh, that is pretty fun. Uh, about a boy I also rewatched and I thought it was still a very sweet sweet time and I also rewatched Mem- uh, Memories of Murder which is the another mm. Bong Joon-ho movie it's basically his Zodiac uh, and I rewatched it because I was in a town that very much reminded me of the sad town in Memories of Murder uh, but that movie is great if you have not seen it it's fantastic awesome awesome well, I saw Spider-Man, colon, spider, apostrophe, wait, spider, oh, <laughs> hyphen, man, colon, across the spider, hyphen, verse. Um, mm-hmm. And I fucking loved it. It's so fucking good. It's so good. It's great. I loved it. Uh, it is so beautiful. There is a scene where they're right by my old apartment in Williamsburg. Um, and they're sitting They're sitting upside down. It's a scene they use in a lot of the posters. And it is so beautiful looking. And the different worlds they go into. I've talked to some friends who had uh, quibbles with the structure of the movie. This movie is very much uh, just part one of a two-part story. Just not really try to have a three-act structure of its own. Um, I oh, not... so just like Fast X. <laughs> oh, yes. Yep, yep. They end the same way. Gal Gadot <laughs> oh, in, a, wow. in a submarine. Um, uh, Spoiler. <laughs> who fucking cares? Um, I, I'm sorry. That was probably rude. Sorry to anyone who loves... 
the lore of the fast movies, but hasn't seen the new one yet. Uh, Gal Gadot's mm. alive. She's a submarine captain. Um, Why are you doing this? Because <laughs> I just think that's very funny. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious, but you're ruining a fun reveal to people. <laughs> All right, maybe we can bleep that out. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, but um, it's it's wonderful. It's it's so great. The animation is incredible. It's funny. The character scenes are great. Um, I love the family. I love the uh, building up the, the Gwen Stacy character. It's wonderful. Now, I also Aww. saw a movie that really seemed like I've never before seen a movie that's that seemed more like, oh, is this a hidden gem? And then you're watching and you're like, oh, this doesn't really work. Um, oh. uh, have you ever seen Miami Blues? No. Miami Blues is Alec Baldwin plays a, it's a 1990 movie. Alec Baldwin plays a criminal who steals a cop's badge and then just starts living as a cop. Um, he's <laughs> So that friend. one episode of Friends? The trailer made it seem like it's a movie about a lovable asshole. Then you're watching, you're like, oh, it's just, he's just an asshole. Um, he's kind of unpleasant <laughs> to be around. Um, but it, it has its interesting moments. The, the three leads, Alec Baldwin, uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh, and Fred Ward are all excellent. But yeah, the, the movie at a certain point just was kind of unpleasant. Um, mm. But yeah. All right. On that note. <laughs> also, the purge is about to start. Oh no, we forgot the purge is about to start and I haven't closed my gutters. Beep, 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 I, It is so, beep, one beep. final question. Veronica, do you think if the purge was real, People would be so nonchalant and just like, oh, it's starting in 58 minutes. Guess I better head home. Like, I would get home early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never know if you're going to be stuck in traffic. Uh, you know, there's yeah. like a lot of stuff could happen. You don't want to be stuck in the middle of a purge. He mentioned that traffic was bad. I wouldn't yeah. leave the house that day. Stay At home. All. Yeah, stay home. And I would also just like not leave the house maybe a day after too because it would be filled with corpses. Oh, yeah. like like the whole world would be just like corpses. Uh, anyway, on that note, toots toots. Oh toot, no, it's the, the toot, time machines doing the toot, the purge sim signal. Toot. Bye. Bang 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 bang. <laughs>